Tennessee Wildcast is live on the air with the latest on hunting, fishing, boating, and all things outdoors. Make welcome your host, drummer and outdoor expert novice, Jason Harmon. And hello everybody, welcome to this edition of Tennessee Wildcast. I'm Jason Harmon. And we are on location here in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and I got Mr. Matt Cameron as my co-host today. How you doing, Matt? Very well, yourself? Doing great, doing great. This is his neck of the woods. He's the reaching for info specialist and uh, make sure everybody uh, knows what's going on in his area. And uh, we appreciate him co-hosting with us today. And and uh, we're going to do more shows in your area. Glad to be here. I can be your co-pilot anytime. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we got Mr. David Sexton with us today. He's an officer here in, uh, in Sevier County. He's a sergeant, actually. That is correct. Uh, over, oversees a few counties. And then Mr. Dan Gibbs, he's our uh, black bear coordinator for the state. So also an officer. But we appreciate Dan and, and David for being with us today and Matt for co-hosting. We're going to be talking about bears in Gatlinburg. We're on, on location. It's a wet day, uh, so we'll deal with that. Uh, luckily, we're in the drive for the show, but I uh, hope you're tuning in on Facebook and, and Hope you enjoy the show today. But um, some of the things we're going to cover is, is dealing with black bears, coexisting with black bears, um, just everything in, in Gatlinburg. So let's uh, let's kick it off with with uh, let's uh, mention Bearwise. Bearwise is a program that that we've uh, uh, got started. I guess it's kind of he's the brainchild of it, right? Yeah, here with us today. Uh, it was it was Dan's idea, I believe, or a co. Uh, he maybe had some help with it, but. Uh, we kind of got it started, and it's grown, and now it's a regional thing. And, and uh, Bearwise is what we use to educate people about bears in Tennessee or bears in, in your area and how to coexist with bears, and that'll get us started, okay. and then we'll branch out into, into what's going on in Gatlinburg. So, okay. so you know, a couple of years ago, we just saw the need that there's just it's such a huge uh, uh, issue to deal with educating the public about bears, and there's so many aspects of it. You know, here in Gatlinburg, we have a new group of people comes in every Friday afternoon. They leave on Monday, then the cycle starts over. So we were looking for uh, uh, some issues. But also, we had were consistency in messaging. Some uh, other agencies would maybe have just a slightly different message that may be uh, taken a different way. So we were concerned about people getting confused with messaging. And so we started working on this program. Then uh, in the southeastern U.S., the... Uh, uh, all the other states were struggling with the same thing. We were having uh, they've got bears too. Yeah, they have they have bears, and the bears are expanding in those states. And we were having conversations about the same things. And CIFWA uh, uh, has a group called the Large Carnivore Working Group, which I'm a member of, and that was one of the charges that we were given from our directors is to come up with and take a look at some regional programs. So we decided just just take the bearwise thing that we're already discussing and make it a regional program. And it's it's gone live and bearwise.org is where you can get the information. But okay. if you go from a, uh, looking at, you know, percent complete, you know, we had a conversation the other day, myself and the other folks on the subcommittee, and I'd say most of us would say we're probably just about 50% where we want to be with this program and the website. We got a lot more stuff we want to do. We just hired a, a new webmaster to take over the initial website and, and start working on those other aspects that we're, we've got on our to-do list. And, and they've started working on that, and they've got a lot of experience with bears and education. So we're looking forward to seeing what happens with this program over the next uh, 12 to 18 months. Well, there's a few or six or more criteria that we try to go by or that, right. that if you if you listen to these, these points, it'll help you be more bear-wise. What are those points? And that'll get us into 
to right. what kind of problems we might have here in Gatlinburg. Yeah, you know, and then the first part of the program, we are focusing around people's homes. You know, there's lots of other aspects around businesses and also uh, camping and things. But what we call the Bearwise Basics uh, is for the homeowner primarily. And uh, the first thing is never to feed or approach bears. And that's pretty much a no-brainer, as we would say, but we do have issues of people hand-feeding bears, and it's a very dangerous thing to do right. uh, for yourself, and, and you're pretty much signing a death warrant for that bear. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, that's first and foremost is never feed or, or approach the bears. And then the other issues are more uh, associated with unintentional feeding. People don't realize initially what they're doing is attracting bears, and that may be uh, bird feeders are a big one, mm-hmm. uh, especially this time of year. Birds can get enough calories have a sunflower feeder it take them more than a day to forage and get the same amount of calories so wow. uh, they're very very attracted to bird feeders and they're going to come back and they're going to keep coming mm-hmm. until it's gone uh, uh, dog food and pet foods outside where people are feeding large amounts and leaving uh, the dog may not consume it all or they're using automatic feeders that's a big attractant uh, then uh, uh, grills Right. Uh, yep. Smokers, that's not so much an issue, but sometimes we do run into that, and it's a big enough issue across the southeast that, that we included that. If you're living in an area that has a lot of bear activity, uh, you need to clean those grills when you get done using them, empty that grease can, and you may even be best just to store it in a, in a secure building or something like that. And then the, the sixth one is uh, it's more about just uh, educating your neighbors, and if you have bear activity, take the time to knock on your neighbor's door or call them and say, hey, saw a bear over here the other day, you may want to take precautions um, and okay. uh, uh, just kind of, you know, being uh, proactive and, and letting other folks know what's going on. So, Well, uh, Matt, you posted a, a photo the other day or a couple photos on Facebook of a bear that had gotten into a car yes. and tore it all to pieces. Tell us a little bit about that. And I, I don't know, David was probably involved in some of that being out here in his area, but uh, tell us about that. And David, let's talk about some of the, some of the stuff you've seen and dealt with right. with tourists here in Gatlinburg. Yeah, unfortunately, that is a common occurrence in this area, according to, to David and his partners at work up here. Uh, bears getting into vehicles is kind of the, the new fad for bears or something up here. But well, Wait till it, we start, they start driving them, right? No. Yeah, <laughs> hey, we are in trouble. Dave says he's going to retire when he sees one driving a stick shift. But um, if you leave anything inside your vehicle that has the odor of food, it could be an empty fast food bag for that matter. Their noses are so incredible, they can smell it even through the glass. And they have learned how to jimmy these car doors uh, to get them open. So windows down, obviously, they're going to climb right through it. But exactly. even if you, you think, okay, I've closed the door, I'm good, you have to lock them because they can get inside your vehicle. And what usually happens is they get inside, the door shuts behind them, they get stuck in there, and they get scared. And they will tear a vehicle to pieces trying to get out of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes you'll see videos of people walking up and, and opening the door and letting the bear out. Of course, that's a dangerous situation to put yourself in. So do us all a favor. Do these officers a favor. Do your insurance company a favor and yourself a favor and, and keep your car doors locked and never leave food or anything that smells like food inside yeah. your car. Now, David, you, you've, I'm sure you've run into this many times with the bears in the cars oh, or, yes. or bears in the trash cans around these hotels or in somebody's backyard or you know, in their cabin even. So tell us what some fo- what folks can do when they're visiting Gatlinburg, what some of the maybe the business owners could do to uh, help alleviate bears getting in the trash and, and causing harm to people. Well, just like Matt uh, alluded to earlier, the biggest thing is in the, with the vehicles is just keeping your doors locked. Okay. That is uh, number one. That is probably one of the most uh, frequent calls that we get here during the summertime is bear in a vehicle call. Um, and they can, just like I said, just keep it locked. Don't leave food in the vehicle. With the businesses or the rental cabins, 
they tend to be garbage can issues. And these issues are not necessarily due to a bad garbage can. These garbage cans could be in very good working order. We don't have any bear-proof garbage cans. Mm -hmm. Bears can eventually figure out how to get into just about anything. But what we try to do is have them purchase bear-resistant containers, which they can take a little effort, but most of the time they don't want to extend that kind of effort when they go somewhere right. else to get an easy meal. Mm -hmm. So what happens is the people do not latch these containers back the way they need to be latched, whether it be a commercial dumpster like we have in these type buildings or yeah. where it is just a residential container. Gatlinburg does have an ordinance that they require the residents to have bear-resistant containers, and the businesses are required to have bear-resistant commercial dumpsters. And I've been here since 1997, and it's done almost a 180 since I first started. Really? That's good. Uh, just about all the containers here when I first uh, came here in 1997 were open, and there was bears everywhere mm -hmm. and uh, the number of bears until this year this year has been an exceptional year for bears in Gatlinburg but it has really seemed to really worked having having these measures put into the city let me ask you a question about that have you seen an increase in bear calls outside the city limits because in the city they're doing pretty good but they can go right outside the city limits and you don't have to lock your trash right, right. you can be 15 yards outside the city limits and you're not required to have a a bear proof container okay yeah. so some of these bears that are coming into the city weren't habituated to this food by the city of Gatlinburg they came from outside into the city and we don't have any ordinances outside the city to to uh, have the bear proof containers but yes to your question we have had numerous calls outside the city of Gatlinburg this year not just in just the very outskirts but throughout the whole county and from listening to the radio it's been East Tennessee wide this year, we've had just a huge number of bears. Uh, whether it be from just a great bear production the last two or three years, or whether it's a food related issue, mm -hmm. I don't know, but we have had quite a few calls this year throughout the East Tennessee area. And I don't want to get too far off topic on that, but people are worried about the fires and they think the fire burned all the food and the bears are starving to death up here. That's why there's so many issues. And you explained that to me very well early this year. Can you tell me what you think is going on with that? Well, what happened was we had a fire, what was it, two years ago now in the fall? Almost. And the, the successional growth of the new growth coming up now is producing lots of berries. It's amazing how fire can make habitat better. It, 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 fire's good great example. for wildlife. Right. It's, it's really good. So we've had a lot of berry production this year in and around Gatlinburg where these fires were. And it has drawn a lot of bears in from around the different parts of the park and different areas into this area to eat all this excess food that they've not normally had. Now, it's brought the bears in close to Gatlinburg. The berries have dried up, and now they've ventured on into Gatlinburg now. Mm -hmm. So we're getting an excess number more bears this year than we've had before in the city. Well, um, we, um, I was in a coffee shop the other day, and this lady said, uh, we called you the other day. I had an agency shirt on, and I was like, well, you didn't call me. But no, she called the, the agency and said I had a bear. It was in Knox County. So a bear mm -hmm. had, had roamed into Knox County, right. and I'm sure we've got more than, than she, she knows about. But um, bears roam and go places. What, what, what makes them want to roam and move out and, and move out of their home range, per se? Well, a lot of times it's the young males that are the ones that are moving out first. Okay. Uh, the, usually after about one year, the females will – kind of kick out the young males the mothers 
yes, yeah. the, 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 the mothers. Mm -hmm. And they have to make their own way through. Okay. And they have to establish their own range. And a lot of times there is an adult bear within close proximity to where they are, so they just have to keep going that much further out to establish a home range. Okay. So we end up seeing bears further and further away from this general area here. And we talked, uh, I was talking to Dan earlier, we've, we've seen some bears, we've had some bears in Humphreys yeah. County and Middle Tennessee area and, and even in Memphis at times, and those right. were probably coming from other states, we think. Right, and, you know, they'll move a great distance. And, uh, you know, back years ago when we first started using radio telemetry, and, and you'd have a bear just kind of disappear and you would think your transmitter failed or something like that. And then three months later, it shows back up. You're like, well, the transmitter must have started working. Well, now we have GPS on these, these transmitters. So no matter how far they go, you're gonna get a, you're gonna get a reading. And uh, there's a bear that uh, was uh, tagged in North Carolina in a, in a uh, project they're doing in Asheville. And they call one day and say, hey, one of our bears is in Unicoi County. And, if you get a map out and look from Asheville to Unicoi County, it's not that far from a car, but just up and walk it in a couple of days is a pretty significant event. And the bear mm -hmm. just got up and decided to go to Unicoi County, and he stayed up there for a few weeks, and he went back to Asheville. And then, you know, a few months later, he got up and did it again. Yeah. So, and nobody really knows why they do that, but, you know, they just, just get up one day and decide to go for a long walk and, and move around, and then they'll come back and... But, uh, but we are seeing range expansion or recolonization of bears into uh, middle and west Tennessee. Uh, the bear populations are, they're just taking over areas that they used to, used to be years ago when we were mm -hmm. first settled. And, you know, and they're not all coming out of the Smokies. You know, bears in Knox County, uh, bears in uh, Cumberland County, and areas like that are probably coming out of the Smokies area. But when you get into Memphis, uh, uh, southern middle Tennessee, you're talking about bears that are coming up out of Mississippi or from Arkansas. Uh, Missouri has a healthy bear population. Kentucky has a healthy bear population. And all these bear populations are expanding and, and growing. So That's a misconception. People think of them as a mountain animal, but they're not necessarily, right? They were across not the entire United States. Yeah, like and that. you know, when you think about the current plateau and look at the elevation and, and how rough, uh, you know, when you get into Scott and Fentress and Cumberland County, that's some quality habitat from yeah. from that respect. But then, uh, historically, the Mississippi River bottoms and, and how uh, undeveloped they were and just the huge trees and uh, remoteness was uh, a lot of bears utilized those areas. And we were talking earlier that uh, in the 1920s, David Crockett was reportedly killed about 105 bears in one year in Obine County, which is about as far west as you yeah, get Yeah, near real foot. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, in Louisiana, virtually all of their bears are in uh, hardwood bottoms and in the floodplains in Mississippi, most of their bears are along the Mississippi River as well. So uh, that that kind of habitat is very alluring to bears if it went where it still exists. So can we plan to see bears further and further in middle and west Tennessee as time goes by? I think so. You're not going to see huge populations like we have in, in a lot of our counties, but you know you get in the fringes where you get in, where it's still a bit remote, and and they can get into an area where they have opportunity to reproduce. And um, you know, we'll, and that's the key is when you start seeing. Uh, people calling and saying, hey, I saw some cubs. That's the thing that really gets my radar going mm -hmm. is that they saw cubs. Because now we're talking about reproduction. We're not talking about what Dave was referring to as you know, an individual a yearling male out looking around for, for a home range. So now we're talking about females reproducing. Right. Uh, so uh, we have a little thing on our website uh, called I Saw a Bear where people that may see a bear uh, can report it. And, you know, we encourage people, if you see a bear in Sevier County and want to get on there, 
and, and report that, that's great, and we'll be glad to take it. But what we're really interested in is people are seeing bears in middle Tennessee or west Tennessee, wherever it may pop up. Right. Um, uh, in some areas, you know, I had one lady talking to me about Tackett Creek, which is in Claiborne County, which is a pretty remote area. You don't get a lot of people, but she and her husband drive that on a regular basis, and she ID'd probably at least five individual bears there last summer. Wow. Uh, so that kind of information we're very interested in to help us as we move forward with determining where these bears are expanding and uh, and let us know where we need to be doing some work to try to get some estimates. Well, you, you mentioned the, the cubs, um, and we work closely with ABR. And uh, what happens if we have to remove a, a cub or find a cub? We we take those to ABR most of the time, right? They can right. help with those. Explain what ABR is and how that works and how we work with them. And then maybe we could get into the bear matrix before we run out of time. Sure. Real quickly, I mean, ABR has been going for about 20 years now, I think, and uh, close to it. And they uh, were basically uh, started as a need for when you have these orphan cubs, if the mother uh, is killed by a car or uh, some other issue and you've got an orphan cub, there's really not much you can do with it. So ABR, uh, they raise money to help pay for their facilities. And then if we have a cub that's orphaned, um, then we can't... Uh, locate the mother will usually wait at least 36 hours from the first sighting of a, of a cub by itself to give the mother a chance to return mm. and that's obviously the best place for that animal to be is with its mother right. and mm. if we make the determination that uh, she's not coming back uh, then we'll get it down to abr and they'll they'll keep it till it's able to survive on its own and then they also will take occasionally if we have an injured yearling they're permitted to take a, an injured yearling bear but that's the only two uh, situations that they'll Okay. But, but they cannot take nuisance garbage bears, no. people think. Those right. bear issue, David's going to pick it up, take it to ABR, no. and they're going to rehabilitate it. That doesn't happen. No. And, and, and what people need to realize is that ABR will only take cubs pretty much 40 pounds or under. And there are a lot of people that see yearlings still with the mother, and these yearlings weigh 80, 90 pounds, and they're calling them cubs. Well, mm -hmm. those, those aren't cubs. Those right. are yearlings. So there's a big distinction between a yearling and a cub. Just because they're with the mother still doesn't make them a cub. Correct. And you and I don't know if we said this, but ABR Appalachian Bear Rescue is, is the, that what the those stand for. But um, now, if um, say if we have a yearling or an older bear that's a nuisance bear that's getting into trash or become a problem bear, um, there's times where we have to put it down or or relocate it. And there's a matrix that y'all go by. Just explain it a little bit. I know you can't get into depth on how that works, but um, there's there's times in, that you either put them down or you can move them. Well, I'll start here and let David jump in because he's going to be the one that is more apt to make that decision. But, you know, we, we all work together to develop this matrix. And basically we're looking at, at two things you know, when we get these calls on bears. We're looking at how they're acting towards people. Are they afraid of people? Are they running when they see them? Are they indifferent? Or are they actually approaching people? And then we also look at the food that they're consuming and where this food is. So are they eating uh, blueberries adjacent to a campground? Are they eating trash in the campground? Are they eating trash out of someone's backyard? Or are they getting in a vehicle or a tent and, and getting food? So, and, and, and you kind of have to vision it. You're talking about a row and a column, mm -hmm. and, and you got these things. So you say, okay, the bear's doing this, and uh, this is way he's acting towards people, and you come down to that box, and then it's got... Uh, some options there and options can range anywhere from giving the people technical assistance it can be uh, 
maybe some uh, aversive conditioning with noises, things like that. Occasion, you know, we have trap and remove and move, but we don't use that very much. Okay. Uh, then we may have, you know, uh, even uh, depredation permit issued if it's crop damage, mm -hmm. and then just euthanasia. So, uh, and and the moving thing is real tricky for us. And you know, we try not to. A lot of people have the idea, hey, if the bear's causing a problem, we'll just come get it and take it somewhere else. Well. There really is nowhere else to take it that we're not going to dump someone else's problem, Just moving the problem. on another person. Mm -hmm. right. I mean, uh, the people in uh, Greene County don't want the bears from Sevierville up here and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but if we find a bear, uh, and jump in here, Dave, but if, if we have a situation where a bear has gotten into a bad situation and we've not had any reports of it and it's just stumbled on, say, someone left their cooler out at a campground and the bear found it and got into it, then we might be able to get that individual animal moved before he become accustomed to coming in there and habituated to that food. Mm -hmm. He's not food conditioned yet. But once they become food conditioned, there's really nothing you can do. You move them, they're just going to cause somebody else a problem. And normally when we get a call, a lot of it can be taken care of over the phone. Most of the time it's a garbage issue, mm -hmm. a bird feeder issue, something of that nature. And you just have to explain to the individual you know, this is a people problem. This is not a bear problem. Right. You can fix this problem. Just t put your garbage in the garage, take it out when the garbage truck comes, or you take it to the convenience center, whatever, put your bird feeders up. Sometimes it's not that easy. Uh, example, we had a bear here in Gatlinburg that was a, a day active bear. That's also on the matrix, whether they're a day active bear or a night active bear. Okay. Bears are normally night active. You find a bear out at 3 o'clock in the day walking through downtown Gatlinburg, he's pretty habituated already at that point. Mm. But we had a bear that was on the third floor of a hotel trying to enter rooms mm. of a hotel. We can't leave that bear there because he's already used to people. Bears, a wild bear will run from you, and a habituated bear will walk toward you. So it's pretty easy to tell which one's what. Yeah. So it, it just like I said, it just determines the situation and whether it was aggressive. Aggressive to me, what happens to somebody out here may be really aggressive. To me, that's just the bear being a bear. Mm -hmm. So we really have to look at a whole lot of different things before we decide whether we're going to move that bear or just educate the person. And they, uh, we have to hear the saying, a fed bear is a dead bear. Explain uh, that a little true. bit. What, you know, well, it is interesting. We put that on a sign uh, a couple years ago, and at the time our assistant director said, I'm going to get some folks that do some hiking to look at that sign and tell me what they think, but they weren't from up this way. They were from Middle Tennessee. And the people really got hung up on that, that statement, and they were, well, why is it dead? Is, is the plastic in the bear killing it, or is it the, poison? The garbage kills bears. Yeah. That's the one they got yeah. hung up on. And, and they, were, they were hung up on that garbage kills bears, yeah, and, and uh, fed bears a dead bear type thing. And mm -hmm. so it, they were so confused on that, we actually took it off the sign because we realized it wasn't, it wasn't doing what it was supposed to do. Okay. And uh, so that's one of those that if you use that, you have to be a little bit more specific about what that means. And what it means is that if you're feeding the bear, if it's getting in garbage, it's going to eventually become food conditioned. And when it becomes food conditioned, it's going to rely almost 100% on human food, and it's going to be a nuisance, and you can't turn that around. And so yeah. the only option we're going to have on that bear is, is uh, euthanasia, and or it's just going to kill it because it's eating bad food, and it's literally the same things that happen to people. The teeth are rotting, 
you know, there's been documented documented cases of diabetes in bears in Wisconsin hmm. because of, of chocolate access to chocolate, and I won't go into all that. But wow. uh, so, and there's some stuff that say I can't remember the exact number, but there's some documented stuff out there about. Uh, how much the lifespan is reduced of a, of a bear that's eating human foods versus natural foods. And it's a significant reduction. So that's where the, the fed bear is a dead bear is because you are impacting mm-hmm. the lifespan of that bear in one way or the other by feeding it. Well, we're going around out of time, but real quick, I wanted to mention our website, tnwildlife.org. A lot of this information is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can pull up the website, click on the bear section, and, and all, the, all the information, phone numbers, that sort of thing. But if somebody wanted to call and report a bear, more likely call a reason for office, I guess, would be the best way to do that. Yeah, and like I said, if it's a sighting, uh, just put it on the bear. I saw a bear sighting on the website. On the website, yeah. And then, uh, but, you know, I'd just like to add that, you know, this stuff works. Mm-hmm. The stuff that David and I may have talked about, it works. It, it's We can give you case after case examples of where it works, but it becomes that people have to make a decision that they're going to change what they're doing around their homes, and then hopefully their neighbors will do the same thing, and, and then it grows. But uh, it takes... Uh, takes effort on our part as dave said it's a people problem it's not a bear problem they're just looking for food yeah we're in their territory right and you know it's no different than recycling or uh something like that you have to make a decision that you're going to be uh have a positive impact on those animals and and do the thing that you need to do to cut down on those issues and i'll throw in there it's not just a gatlinburg pigeon forward severable issue because the population is growing and they're Mm -hmm. expanding out into their former range like they've talked about so wherever you're at listening or watching get ready for bears to be coming through your neighborhood. Right. I live in White Pine. We had a bear come through my little town a couple months ago and the people absolutely flipped out and called me and wanted me to come and get this bear. I said, no, do these things, don't do these things. The bear will move on. And guess what? The bear moved on. Right. So it, it works. Yeah, and we tell people, if the bear finds nothing to eat, they're not going to stay. Yeah. I mean, that's what they're looking for is food. So, And if you see a bear and he's hanging around, the first thing I'm going to ask you if you call us is, what is he eating? What, what's this bear eating? And that's where the conversation is going to start. And, uh, and you pretty much find out real quickly what it is. Well, to get away from the, the problem or nuisance side of the bears, if somebody comes to Gatlinburg and they want to see a, a wild bear, where can they go? Cades Cove. Okay. Cades Cove. <laughs> wild bear. A, a, more, a more wild bear. Yeah, more wild. Yeah. They're all wild, but right. less, uh, but, you know. But, yeah, I mean – there's, they're liable to see one any time in Gatlinburg. They really are mm-hmm. uh, at any place. But to see a bear in its natural habitat, the way that we envision seeing bears in the wild, you would need to go into the park. Really. Well, and and speaking of natural habitat, we talked earlier about camping and hiking. A few tips on that, real quick. Well, you just want to make sure you're aware of what you're doing when you're out in the woods. If you're hiking or camping, and be aware that bears can be around. Uh, store your food away from your tent. Uh, don't set your tent up next to a blueberry bush or something like that. And uh, just pack out what you take. And as I said earlier, uh, your activities influence bear behavior. Good or bad, whatever you're doing is going to have an impact on bears. So, All right, well. Folks, uh, that's going to wrap it up for today. I thank these guys for being with me. Uh, thank you. Pretty cool to be here in Gatlinburg. And on location, it is a rainy day, but that's all right. And uh, take note of these things. Go back and watch the show again on Facebook. It'll be on YouTube. And, and just keep watching and, and learning. Go to our website, tnwildlife.org. That's the best place to go to, uh, to find all the latest information on what we're doing as an agency. And we just want you all to be bear wise. So uh, we'll be seeing you all next time. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, this is your Tennessee Wildcast.
thanks for tuning in. Stay connected with TWRA by visiting our website at tnwildlife.org and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Hey, it's all about Tennessee wildlife. It's what we do. Tennessee Wildcast will be on the air again next week. We'll see you then.